0: Hi, are you a gifted or twice exceptional adult who feels a bit stuck in your journey? Do you have goals and dreams which you would love to achieve, but you don't know where to start or feel a little bit overwhelmed? Or maybe you have a thousand ideas, 500 projects and get distracted by your own thoughts and would love some support on focus and accountability. Whatever gets you stuck, I wholeheartedly believe that gifted and twice exceptional specific coaching will help you unleash your power so that you can be your most authentic gifted self. I recently embarked on my journey on becoming a gifted and twice exceptional coach. So if you are interested in working with me one-on-one, please reach out via email at hello at giftedunleash.com, or you can find more information about my coaching offers on the website giftedunleash.com forward slash coaching. I would love working with you, and I would love to get you unstuck. So please reach out, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome to Unleash Monday, where we talk about the brain, especially the gifted brain, and how does it affect our thinking and experience of the world differently. There are a lot of stereotypes and stigma around giftedness, and I'm here to challenge those. I'm here to raise awareness and to have a conversation around this topic of what does it mean to be a gifted adult. Common experience among gifted folks is that they feel out of place. They don't quite fit in. They are too sensitive, too intense, too emotional, too overexcitable, and too deep thinkers about the world and about themselves. If you have been called too much of about anything, then this show is for you. My name is Nadia. I'm too loud, too colorful, too bubbly, too bossy, and love to talk too much. So welcome to my world, and I'm so happy you're here. Hello, and happy Monday. I'm so excited you're here again listening, and I hope I can inspire you and give you a little bit of information and resources to embrace your own giftedness and help you on your gifted journey. I am still astounded by how many incredible, amazing people I meet along the way and along my own journey. So I recently enrolled in a course from Jen from InterGifted, and I was in a Zoom call, and then one person... (laughs) Told me, Oh, I recognize your voice. You're having this amazing podcast. And it was Lucinda who recognized my voice. And it was so refreshing and such a beautiful experience for me to, you know, be recognized and people sharing that my podcast gives them something. And this is really why I. Do this podcast really this is for you for you for resources but also if you're working in the gifted sphere and you would like to come onto my podcast and share what you're offering to the gifted community please reach out you can send me an email at hello at unleash And if you're a gifted person that has a story and would like to share, please reach out too, because I really feel there's a power of sharing all these variety of gifted story because it helps other people to connect and embrace it themselves. So don't be shy. Please reach out and come on to the podcast. So With all this said, when Lucinda said she recognized my voice and knows my podcast, obviously I offered her to come onto the show and she willingly accepted. So today, Lucinda Leo is here to share all about her story and what she offers to the gifted community. So without further ado, let's hear it from Lucinda. Welcome, Lucinda. I'm so happy to have you.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here.
0: So obviously, people that come on this podcast, and especially working in the gifted field, they usually have a personal gifted story. Otherwise, it's very unlikely people get interested in this topic. So before we jump into what are you doing today and what you're offering to the gifted community, would you like to share your own gifted
1: story? Thank you. I would love to share it. I'll try and keep it quite brief. I've heard you talking with other people and I really love hearing their story. So I will share bits that I think people might resonate with. So um, from when I was a little girl, I knew I was quite different from other children. So I would always seem to daydream and worry about things that other children didn't think about. One memory I have is of when I was about six, I went on a kind of a school trip to a country fair and me and my friends all entered a raffle for a pony. And everyone else just went about and enjoyed the fair. But as the day went on, I just started thinking more and more about how we were going to look after this pony if I won. Where was it going to live? We didn't have enough bedrooms for a pony. How could we afford to feed it? I didn't know how to ride. And I made myself so worked up with worry that they took me to the ambulance tent (laughs) where I where I had to say that I had a headache because I was so embarrassed because I knew it was really weird. Anyway, luckily, I didn't win the pony. So no worries there that's just one example of the things that I used to worry about and I, I loved books you know and would be one of those kids who would like stuff books down my trousers when I was going on walks with my mum or, or going on shopping trips and there was this one time when I was supposed to be going to sleep it was after my light was supposed to be turned off and my mum came up the stairs and said she could smell smoke and what I had done is I had put my dressing gown over my light so that she wouldn't see the light from under the door <laughs> And I was so engrossed in my book (laughs) that there was this hole. Yeah. So that's kind of an example of the kind of kid I was. And, uh, you know, there was no internet in those days. So growing up, the library was my, you know, my my spiritual home. And I used to read books about everything, you know, pinhole cameras, the I Ching, dream interpretation, how to hypnotize people. I used to hypnotize my little brother and sister. But then, um, you know, I, I... didn't follow any of those interests because I was a very good girl. You know, my my sort of early upbringing had made me quite compliant. So I followed the well-meaning adults advice in my life and went to do a sensible degree, law, which I did at Oxford University. And when I got there, I just found that everybody else was just better at being an adult than me. You know, like they, you know, they just didn't, either they didn't seem to have all these strange, weird and wonderful, quirky thoughts that I did Or what I actually thought was they did, but they were so much better at like not coming out with it, that they had this character quality that allowed them to keep themselves in check and to be sensible. Adulting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it's just extraordinary looking back how everyone just thinks that they're having the same experience as everyone else and that other people are just doing it better. It's just, I'm jumping ahead a bit here, but it's just so wonderful to be set free from that and realizing that, you know, we're unique. But anyway, I'll, I'll sort of skip forward in my story. I, I mentioned this to you when we spoke recently, didn't I, about how I thought, well, let's do something worthy with my law degree. And so I went and I did a, an internship at a family law practice only I sat there hearing these stories and they were just so sad and I was just like so upset. And the lawyer who was there, she was just able to just be really calm and do a really great job of supporting these people legally, but it was just too heartrending for me. And I thought, oh, God, I can't do anything like that. So I ended up becoming a corporate lawyer, which was such a bad match for me, but I kind of somehow stumbled through my 20s just by, you know, living in new-age bookshops and wine bars, really. But the result was that I ended up, you know, by my early thirties, I ended up, had a baby and I had no support network because I had become so good at toning myself down and presenting this version of myself to the world that I thought everybody wanted. And so, yeah, I suddenly I was in my early thirties. I had this intense baby. And I had no support network because all the other moms seemed to have effortlessly got their babies into routines. They were sleeping through the night within you know, six weeks. Whereas I was like, you know, almost always on the verge of a meltdown. My child would not get into a routine. And when I tried to reach out to any of the friends that I'd met from the mummy and baby groups, you know, they were just like back off from my intensity and like, you know, steer the conversation back to whether mummy and baby yoga classes are going to help them get into their pre-pregnancy genes, you know, and those sorts of important things. Sorry, I shouldn't I have shouldn't it, but. And and that was really hard. And then the strange decision: my ex husband and I decided to move to this pretty place, this pretty county, just outside London, but within my husband's commute. Where, yeah, everyone was just very, very conventional. There were no kindred spirits there. And so I, by this time, I had two intense children, and they started the school, and I would go to play dates. And all the other mums would be able to sit around drinking cups of tea while their children played nicely. And my children would be climbing the walls, fighting with each other, fighting with the other kids. You know, they were just intense and full on. You know, I just was like, what is wrong with us as a family? But one of the good things about having children was that I was able to leave the law. And I trained as a hypnotherapist, which is, if you remember what I used to enjoy doing when I was a kid? They always say that you should do that. And I started to find some kindred spirits and I also started to find some clues about why I was different. So I discovered introversion and I realised that life can be difficult for introverts in an extrovert centric world. And that was helpful. And then I read about Elaine Aron's Highly Sensitive People and I identified as one of those and I could see my children too. But it didn't answer all of the questions that I had because these highly sensitive people seemed to be kind of quite quiet, you know, whereas we were certainly not like that. There was just this rambunctiousness (laughs) that just Elaine Aaron just did not talk about. And so around then I ended up taking my children out of school because I just was not a good match for them for different reasons. My children were intense and my youngest in particular had real difficulties with emotional regulation. And so I went looking for answers like any parent would about how to support him. And by the time he was eight, I think we'd been to about six different professionals trying to find out what was going on with him. And he had one diagnosis of sensory processing disorder. But again, you know, he looked at the other kids, looked at my son, and it just, you know, not everything was answered. And then when he was about nine, I saw a flyer for a workshop. And on the front, it said, intense, sensitive, easily overwhelmed. And I said, reacts out of proportion. And I said, oh my goodness, that is our son. So I went to the workshop and that was just one of those moments in my life where everything changed because the workshop was about overexcitabilities. And in hearing the model described, the overexcitabilities described, I recognised not just the son that I'd been concerned about, but my other son and myself and lots of other family members. And it was just extraordinary I sat there just with tears rolling down my face like because I felt validated and understood for the first time in my life it was just extraordinary and so be me, I decided I had to go and share this because I thought, why do people not know about this? You know, there's so many people that this could make such a difference to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I started this blog, Laugh, Love, Learn, where I shared about our experiences and what overexcitability looked like in our family. And yeah, and then sort of the last piece of the, the story was that I ended up getting divorced around that time. So everything sort of changed in my life. But then I, as part of the divorce, was able to move outside my ex-husband's commuter belt and move down to this lovely city, Brighton, on the south coast of England, which is full of weird and quirky, fabulous people. And my children and I have been here now for two and a half years. And as part of coming here, I took the opportunity to kind of rebrand my hypnotherapy practice as working with intense people. And then recently, I have sort of really been really embracing my giftedness more. So I'm, I'm rambling now. So I'm going to stop and just switch switch to the conversation style part of it. That's it. Okay.
0: I love this. But the whole time you, you didn't mention giftedness until the very... Uh, I know,
1: I know. So that's why no, I, I'm
0: wondering also on your website, obviously, to clarify as you say, highly sensitive people doesn't need to be intense. And then the overexcitability, so they can overlap, but it, it doesn't, it can be a sign of giftedness. It can overlap, but it's not yeah. necessary, right? You can be overexcitable without uh, being gifted or highly sensitive and not being gifted. So yeah. there's a lot of overlap, but it's it's still separate and different things. But you do also target the gifted people, obviously, that are sensitive and that have these overexcitabilities. So I was just wondering, the word gifted... Hearing it from you a little bit delayed or just at the end, is there still a little bit also, do you on purpose not say it so your clients also don't get like scared away or? Yeah,
1: well, actually, so my, yeah, my relationship with the gifted word and giftedness has developed a lot in the last few years. So when I had my blog about overexcitability, I wanted to share it with people and that took me to... Being a blogger for the Gifted Homeschoolers Forum. And yeah, and so I had to write on giftedness for the blog hops. And I began to recognize it in myself very much and my children. But I still felt a bit cringy about it. And so I just decided that because I hadn't really resolved that conflict in myself, I just thought I would stick to talking about intensity. And absolutely, I I know that intensity and giftedness can exist separately although they all exist in my family together very much so yeah it's not until really sort of the last year that I've really started embracing my giftedness and I'm 50 and you know that is far too long but yeah just discovering your work and you know I joined into gifted several years ago but I've really started making the most of that wonderful resource recently and I work with gifted clients, but I have always done it through the intensity kind of lens. Whereas now I'm starting to work with more gifted clients on sort of gifted specific related issues. And I am just loving that. I'm finding it so rewarding.
0: Yeah, I just, I'm asking this question not to put you on the spot, obviously, but it's more to show like these untypical, typical gifted stories, right? That we, we're all in the same field, but then when it comes about your own giftedness we we're, we're all like, mm, yeah, but I, I still feel uncomfortable <laughs> because in other people, it's okay, and we we accept it. It's just this word, but to take it for ourselves it it's still it takes so much i don't know guts, <laughs> yeah <laughs> owning it and really. Or saying it and then really believing it is so difficult. And I just, I had this conversation over and over and still having it, you know, off the podcast as well with people. And I just want to, to say that when you're doubting it, that's also a good sign. And yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: right? I, I think that the more you learn about giftedness and you know the complexity and all that kind of stuff, you know, the more I can kind of relate myself, but the more I can see it in other people. And when you can see it really in other people and you can see that they probably are sort of further along the giftedness sort of spectrum than than you, and then you think, well, they're really gifted. I'm <laughs> just a bit gifted. So you know, you can kind of go, well, that doesn't count, but but no, it does.
0: Yeah. And when I talked to Paula Prover, she said, oh, I'm barely gifted. Yeah, (laughs) I love that. So I I think, yeah, most of us can also relate and say like barely and then that's okay. (laughs) So we can still embrace it. So
1: So, Paula's kind of a role model to me in terms of how to express that. She's just so authentic and congruent, isn't she?
0: She is. Yeah. So but. I have so many questions. I made a whole list. So you say you're a coach and a hypnotherapist. So now I have all these questions about hypnotherapy because like, I'm like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And I have a friend that just recently uh, got into hypnotherapy and she she's doing it like herself with some sort of audio versions. And then we were in a in a group Zoom call and we had all these questions like, oh, how does it work? And how does it differ from the mindfulness? What's the difference? And also, can you do this or uh, offer over Zoom or do you really do this in a private session? Like can you talk a little bit about yeah, hypnotherapy I would in love general? To.
1: My second favorite subject after giftedness.
0: And then we talk how they come together. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, the answer is yes, I do work on Zoom very successfully, which is great because it means I can work with people all over the world. And I do. And the way, the model that I have is not what people see on the movies, which is, you know, okay, so you have this issue. I'm going to read the script and put you under... Uh, It's not like that at all. The way I look at it is that when we are doing things that are not what we'd like to do, so when we're kind of doing the the problem behaviours that people come to me to change.
0: So bad habits.
1: Yeah, bad habits, for instance. Then that is the times when they are in a trance. So they don't have full control because some part of them, somewhere along the way, like usually when we're a child, you know, kind of made a processing error and decided that in this situation, this is the best response. This is how we have to behave. And so as we grow up, those neural pathways get reinforced and we reach a point in adulthood where we're still doing these things and they're really not helpful, but we don't know how to change them because it's all happening below our conscious awareness. So I see my job as being to kind of shine the torch, you know, the light of conscious awareness on these what's happening and start to build new neural pathways. And it's amazing how quickly that can happen just by looking at things differently within the therapeutic setting. And I see clients for usually between about four and six sessions. So it's very solution focused therapy, but it works really, really well and better and better with gifted and clients who have over-excitability. So for instance, people who have great imaginations will really enter into the stuff really well. And they say that Rather than, you know, instead of being weak-willed, people who are easily hypnotizable are actually usually of above-average intelligence and creativity, and I absolutely resonate with that. My favorite clients, you know, just really will go into it.
0: Mm. So you put them in a kind of a trance state, so you talk to their subconscious, or?
1: Yeah, so in my sessions, say, I will just ask what people are doing that they want to change, ask what they would like instead and then use everything that I've got in my mental toolbox to help get them there so just the coaching style questions will actually shine a lot of light on what's been going on and then we will often use intervention terrible word but you know kind of a process that allows them and it always has to come from the individual so me deciding that You're anxious, therefore, this is what you need, and you want to be calm and peaceful instead. That is absolutely not going to work. Well, might work in some cases, but you know, your way of doing anxiety might mean that your solution is something completely different. And so, I need to find out what that is. And so, we will yeah it's a very light trance but the kind of trance that you might be in when you're driving somewhere and you kind of like are busy in your head and then you arrive at your destination and you think oh how did I get here or like when you're watching a movie and you didn't realize that you were sitting on your arm and you realize afterwards that it's numb you hadn't noticed that because you were in a movie trance so it's like that it's not like you know there's no not remembering there's no going deeply under although sometimes It's like that. They find it really relaxing and I'm very happy to do that. So, yeah, we do that work in a session. And then what I tend to do is afterwards I will make a recording and we call it word weaving, where I take all of the things that the client has told me about what they want instead. And I weave it all together into like a 10 minute recording and I get them to listen to it every day for about three weeks. And then as and when they need it. And it helps. It's kind of the glue that sticks what we do in place
0: oh, this sounds amazing. I'm going to reach out to you after this for some sessions. That sounds amazing. Because yeah, when, when I heard, you know, hypnotherapy from my friend two weeks ago, I thought, oh, you know, you have these stereotypes again, people on a stage and then jumping around and doing like chicken (laughs) sounds or something.
1: I haven't had anyone ask me for that yet but
0: But it's very trendy currently to do all these mindfulness and and I think especially for the giftedness mindfulness and meditation can really be powerful to calm the mind
1: yeah absolutely and I and I I suggest it as homework for lots of my clients to do those sorts of practices
0: so that's a different step a different layer on the whole mental health oh I love this so how you you already said this works very well with gifted and overexcited mm-hmm. people. So how does then gifted specific topics come in? Can you make an example like what your clients come for? And so the listener can get a little bit of a grasp of like what's going on. Uh,
1: okay, let me think. So I find that I realized looking back, even before I started kind of marketing myself for gifted clients, looking back, and I'm doing um, a course with InterGifted at the moment that's helping me to really see this, which is most of my clients have all been gifted to some degree or other, just because we kind of find each other, somehow we give off these uh, subtle signals, don't we? And so I tend to find that Gifted people are more likely to come with things like obsessive compulsive issues or even phobias. So, for instance, a simple phobia, I was working with someone recently who had a metaphobia, the fear of vomiting. And when she told me the story of the few incidents in her childhood that had triggered this, I could really see, you know, for for everybody who, who has a phobia that they want to get rid of, it is you know, like the butterfly effect, something happened and then the butterfly effect meant that they developed these behaviours around it. And But I find that the gifted mind with its tendency to uh, complex thought and great imagination will kind of take that, you know, a step further. And, you know, that I, I, I don't know whether gifted people are more likely to have some of these issues. Probably not, perhaps just the ones I see. But then the great thing is that Just by subtly, obviously I use all my normal tools, but also by educating these people a little bit about giftedness and overexcitabilities, I can show them that they have these traits like imagination or overexcitability are bring positives as well as negatives. So people who just can't sleep because of anxiety, you know, they just really want to be able to switch their imagination off. And people just, it astonishes me because we aren't taught, you know, we're not taught these important things in schools, that you can actually choose what you engage your mind into a degree and you can start to train your mind to use the imagination in positive ways. So that's one. Yeah. So
0: basically the mind is, if, if it's like your raw gift of imagination, right, and you can actually train it and focus and channel it then yeah. it's really going to become yeah. a superpower in a sense.
1: Absolutely. And, and you know, thinking about someone else I'm working with for obsessive compulsive kind of behaviours at the moment, I can see that she clearly has a lot of intellectual intensity, intellectual overexcitability and... I can see that her intellectual needs are really not being met at the moment. And she really, when I asked her if she might be gifted, she said, oh, no, no, no. My brother's really gifted and my mom is really gifted, but I'm not. I didn't do that well. I left university because I had breakdown because of anxiety. And it's a typical gifted story again. Like... Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, just that little piece of saying to her, You know, we're doing a lot of things to help her with the obsessive thoughts, but one of them is giving her brain something to get into. You know, she's been in lockdown, she's working, she's got a peaceful life, but she's started to realize that her brain just needs more to engage it. So that's kind of one of the pieces that I offer to people is that self-understanding. I just
0: had, I think, a (laughs) self-realization just talking to you because I had the quite a traumatic experience a couple of years ago where I was kind of like squished in a big mass of people. And then I started having claustrophobia, but not in like elevators, but funnily in airplanes where I knew and then my brain goes in overdrive like oh my god I'm stuck in this can for 11 hours or you go into a movie theater and you're like where are the exits you know you like start overthinking all the scenarios Mm. where I think as you say like with the pony (laughs) like I'm like oh and then it's like these dramatic scenarios that pop into my mind and then so yeah (laughs)
1: <laughs> and another one that comes to mind is gifted people tend to be they're really engaged mostly they're really engaged with the work that we do for instance I often encourage people to work with the different parts of them so we tend to think of our minds as being this one one consciousness but actually we have so many different parts and so many different voices inside us and I've worked with people gifted people who have been told that's a bad thing by previous mental health professionals and being made to feel like, you know, they have to kind of shut all those parts away. Whereas actually, in my experience, getting a resolution to things that have been causing trouble in life is just giving all those parts a voice because those parts have usually grown up to solve a problem. And they really think that this is the only way of solving the problem. And we have something called the therapeutic paradox, which is that you tend to get what you're afraid of. So for instance, say a person is really afraid of being alone and they can come across as really needy and clingy and drive people away. So that's this paradox in action. So so the more we kind of try to push away these parts, and I think approaches like cognitive behavioural therapy sometimes do this, kind of push those parts away and really try to focus on the, the, the functional part. But in my experience, you really need to hear those voices. You need to hear what those parts that want you to survive, that think what they're doing is helping you to survive. You need to hear them and give them a voice. And I love the way gifted people do this because they really engage with it in a really imaginative and fulfilling to them way.
0: So I, I don't
1: know, I probably
0: the traditional therapist might say, oh, if you have different voices, that sounds
1: very schizophrenic in a way. Exactly. I'll give you an example because I'm looking at your beautifully ordered closet. So I tried to do uh, Marie Kondo. Well, I tried to do the, forgive me if I'm using the wrong terminology here. You can maybe teach me the right terminology. (laughs) But I I did it first four years ago and ended up getting divorced. And then I thought I'd do it again. And my mom said to me, no, you might get rid of the rest of us. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so I I started doing it again in January because I thought, I've got to come out of this lockdown with a slightly tidier house. And I realized that I had a lot of kind of quote self-sabotaging thoughts and behaviours that were stopping me doing it so what I did was I just like got a document on my computer and I asked all the parts of me that had any concerns about doing this to like speak to me and I gave them each a different font colour and you know what I did it in like a month I completed doing the process on my house and that was through letting these parts that were worried that I was there was parts that were like we're worried that you're just going to get really obsessed with this and forget to eat (laughs) I made a deal with that part I said you know can you maybe remind me to take breaks and stuff and then I did you know I'd find myself at two o'clock in the afternoon like not having eaten oh yes thank you that part
0: (laughs) oh this sounds amazing I hope it's okay if I incorporate it in my teaching of the mariconda method
1: (laughs) yeah I would love to chat about it with you sometime
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh so another question that came into my mind obviously talking to you about you know you being a coach a hypnotherapist working with the gifted and the highly sensitive and or excitabilities and all of this but in your bio saying oh I, I went and did like a sensible degree I studied law at Oxford University you know very prestigious and so I'm a scientist by training and I also feel like In the past, you know, I love scientific data. And if there's a theory, there needs to be some scientific evidence that this is supported. And then I got into this gifted field in this, you know, the conversations and the topic. And first I was like, this sounds a little bit esoteric. (laughs) And it sounds a little bit, I don't want to say witchcraft, but I don't, it sounds a little bit weird because I haven't heard it before. And it was kind of like out of the box thinking and 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 I think we have very sim- like similarities in our cv <laughs> kind yeah. of and and also other people that I talk to not just lawyers but scientists and other people from very serious fields and they they get into this topic mostly because they have gifted children and then we're like oh I need to share this information with the world has that happened to you? Were you also a little bit hesitant in the beginning? And how do your friends from Oxford react when you tell them you're a hypnotherapist? Do you even tell them?
1: <laughs> well, that is one of the best things about getting older is that confidence. at 50 has been a complete tipping point for me. It's like I've got to the point where I've been like, I am me, and all the knowledge about giftedness and intensity has helped. So now I fully own it. But you're, yeah, I agree with you. It's been a journey, and I think probably I've always been more into the weird stuff than you. By the sound of it, you know, when I when I was a kid, I was always into reading about, yeah, these kind of like, I Ching and all these kind of metaphysical topics. And I used to, and when I worked as a corporate lawyer, I used to go home and do. Chakra cleansing, opening (laughs) meditations. And I would never have told my law friends, you know, maybe occasionally one, and they would like have a chuckle at how silly I was. Or when I was 15, my family used to come in and see me meditating and like snort with laughter and quickly shut the door. And yeah, so I always thought that that side of me, that kind of interest in non-material things, totally detracted from my intelligence. You know, there was my intelligence, and then there was my interest in this non-physical kind of realm. And that carried on for a really long time. And it wasn't really until I got involved with Intergifted a few years ago that I began to realise that openness and that spiritual giftedness was a thing. I don't know if it's called spiritual giftedness, but I, I really like that model because it's always seemed to me like, how can, you know, very, very materialist scientists, atheists be so sure that nothing exists beyond what we currently happen to know it's like we are at a point in history and a hundred years ago, fifty years ago, what seemed like seems like science now seemed like magic then. So how can anyone think that, you know, what we currently know is it? I, I have a real I have a real love-hate relationship with the scientific method, I must admit. <laughs> Some of my closest friends are scientists and I love them, but I'm glad that we have other ways of looking at the world. <laughs> I don't know if that answers your question.
0: It does, it does. And also That there's more to things, obviously, that we can measure. But also, I think a lot of the gifted research and the neuroscience, like there is a difference. And funnily enough, that the more you talk to people, like if it's just two people, we might have the same experience. But then you read other people's stories and people coming on my podcast and everybody seems to have the same experience over and over again. And so there must be something to it. (laughs) And so it's interesting. And I'm still, like, for me, the whole field is still a little bit murky. That's why I'm doing the podcast. I'm like, I I have no idea about this topic. I I need to get more clarity. And the more I learn, the more... I do get some sense, but the more questions open up, and which is great. So I have more people to come on the show. <laughs> but so it's this kind of murky, like what is gifted is, what it's not, where are the intersections and also...
1: And I think you're doing such a great job of of clarifying that. I've listened to quite a lot of your podcast episodes and I think your kind of flavour that you're bringing to it of this kind of open mindedness, you know, clearly you have come a long way in understanding the topic and, you know, teaching it to others. I just wanted to say how much I've learned, you know, and I've been looking into this field for a number of years, but I've learned so much just from listening to you and your guests. Thank
0: you. Thank you. you. But then, you know, the the prejudice is there and you say giftedness, especially in the English speaking world, the word giftedness and then, oh, everybody has gifts. So, but what do you say to people that are skeptical when they come to you, be it of like hypnotherapy or if they come to you and you mention the word giftedness? do you address it? Or the people that come to you, they are more open-minded? Or do you have skeptical people? I
1: tend to attract clients who are quite open-minded, probably because I've become more confident and so authentic in the way I kind of present myself on my website. So I tell a very frank story about myself on my YouTube channel. I talk about why I came up with giraffe life is the name of my website and often clients have looked at those and it was the deciding thing that made them come to me because there's a lot of hypnotherapists out there and when you're choosing someone to work with it's difficult to get a flavor of who they are so that's why I have these videos so usually people who arrive with me know what they're getting into they're 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 ready for some weird weirdness (laughs) do you want to share about the giraffe Yeah, so to one of your podcasts about zebras, now you think, oh no, I've chosen the wrong animal. <laughs> but I, <laughs> yeah, I was when I moved to Brighton, I thought I'd redo my website. It seemed like a good moment to do that. And I was chatting with somebody about what I could call myself, and he said, oh, who, well, who are you looking to attract? And I said, well, you know, people who are a bit different, but who are intense. And he said, well, that all sounds great, but that's a bit long for a website title. So how about Giraffe giraffe life? And the thing is, giraffes, when they're born, they're really vulnerable. You know, they're really helpless. But when they grow to their full height, they can put a lion in its place. And I really like that. And in fact, around the time that my friend kind of gave me that metaphor, I had fallen into a friendship because I was new in town. I'd fallen into a friendship with somebody who I kind of had realized was a bit toxic. I was giving a lot more in the relationship than she was. And just hearing that metaphor about a giraffe finding its power, I was able to just effortlessly let go of that relationship with no drama. She didn't even notice. She was, she was so <laughs> self-obsessed. So, so that kind of worked for me. And then I also like that it's Marshall Rosenberg's. So have you heard of nonviolent communication? So it's a really wonderful kind of technology of communication. And he has jackal speak, which is kind of the way a lot of the world speaks and giraffe talk. Uh, And so that resonated. And then the final piece was that I heard that the collective noun for giraffes is a tower of giraffes. And I loved that, you know, like tower of strength kind of metaphor. So, yeah, giraffe life. That's my website. I love that. (laughs) Zebras are welcome too.
0: (laughs) Zebras. (laughs) (laughs) Oh... I love this. We have been talking about intensities before and also with some of my guests on the podcast, but I saw that you really listed the five different intensities. Do you want to share a little bit so maybe some listeners can relate? Yeah, sure.
1: And in fact, I made a questionnaire, a very non-scientific questionnaire, (laughs) <laughs> as, as I mentioned, Paula Prover is one of my heroines. And so I just did this kind of fun questionnaire of 50 questions that people can fill out on my website and they can kind of find their intensity profile. So yeah, I, I strongly resonate with having emotional intensity, very high empathy. When I was a kid, I used to get really upset by news stories. And in fact, this came up recently with my son. So I have a son with a very different intensity profile from me. He has very high intellectual intensity. I have very high emotional intensity but he's also autistic and has some sensory issues. So we were deciding a movie to watch and I tried to find common ground. So I said, well, I can watch The Usual Suspects, but I don't think I can watch Reservoir Dogs with you because it's too violent. And he went, well, the violence is part of the movie. (laughs) I said, oh, yes, Jess, I really get that. I really understand that. But what you can understand is, you know how you get bothered by those pictures in the cafe, which kind of affect him? I said, for me, the violence in a film, it just directly goes to my nervous system and causes me distress in the same way that that does for you. So I've just given an extremely detailed example rather than kind of a broad brush about the intensities.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think like the, the intensity models, having the emotional, intellectual, psychomotor, imagination and sensual overexcitabilities is really helping to see that there are different aspects to intensities and people can have different intensity profiles.
1: Yeah. So I find myself again with my son, I find myself because my mom always, when I was growing up, would always be, why are you so sensitive? Why are you so intense? You know, you're so dramatic because she was really wanting me to be happy and I find myself thinking sometimes about my son. Why do you have to argue about everything? But I make sure that I only think it because I know that is just the same. He can't help arguing about everything. That's his intellectual recitability. Yeah. Mm.
0: So you work with private clients and also with corporations? Yeah, right?
1: I'm not doing so much of that since I moved to Brighton. I was very passionate before about sharing this model with parents. But I'm pleased to say that I think the world is catching up a little bit, or perhaps it's just my experience. So I used to give talks to parents' groups particularly about intensity and explaining why the kind of conventional punishment and rewards that was all the rage five years ago just doesn't work with these kids. Because when you are emotionally triggered, as you are often in today's busy world, When you've got overexcitabilities, you're not in a position to respond to punishments or rewards. And I've got one child who just has never, ever, ever responded in those ways. So he's been my teacher. And so, yeah, whatever I do is always motivated by just where can I make the most difference? And so, yeah, I would go and talk to people about an alternate model, getting them to understand that. And that was really rewarding. And I would like to do more of that in the future.
0: So... Where can people find you if they want to get in contact with you and work with you? So
1: my website is Giraffe Life, and I have a YouTube channel with some videos about intensities and a bit more about my story. You can find me, Lucinda Leo, on there. And I also have a blog that I kept for a number of years about life in an overexcitable family. And that's got a lot of stories about what intensity looks like in all of us. And that is Laugh, Love, Learn.
0: oh thank you and we will post all the links in the show notes so people can just click on it and find you and so for last words is there anything you would like to share that we haven't covered anything you wish people knew about this topic or something you wish you knew earlier
1: i think i want people not to be afraid of using the word and i'm talking to myself here probably it's so normal to think of giftedness as a to think of it as that the people with higher levels of giftedness are superior and it really helps me when I've been learning about giftedness to understand that it is not like that that there is no superiority that it is just a difference and a tendency to enjoy complex thinking for instance or to skip think or to do meta thinking so it's just a difference in thinking style and I think we need to think of it like that because people who are gifted you know one of the biggest problems that we suffer is loneliness because we are in a minority so I feel really passionate in everything I do about helping people to understand Their giftedness, because that self understanding is a really important piece. And then, secondly, to help people with navigating life in that minority. I I think back on conversations I used to have when I was in my old life in that place where I didn't really have kindred spirits. And I would find myself in parties, you know, there'd be a gap in the conversation, and I would find myself saying, So I've always wondered, what do normal people say when there's a gap in the conversation like this? Well, I remember like, you know, preparing to go on ski holiday with another family and talking about packing. And I was like, so yeah, I've got my Excel spreadsheet with, you know, like the ages of my children and the kind of holiday that we're going on. And then I can check back and I can see what's required. And these two mums just looking at me just completely blankly. And I was like, well, doesn't everyone do this? And of course, the irony was that I went on holiday and the other woman had remembered everything. She just got on with things and just put things in a case. And I'd forgotten, you know, like my ski gloves. <laughs> but you had an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> oh, that sounds like me. We <laughs> <I> enjoyed it.
0: <laughs> oh, we moved, and I made a whole Gantt chart, a whole project. <laughs>
1: it's one of the things I've loved though about learning about giftedness is that you know the love of complexity because it's really allowed me to own that part of myself you know and to get and to get that it's okay to like one of the things I love about Paula's work is the way she gives you permission to go and explore all these multi-potential routes you know and I think one of the exercises in her book was to make a list of careers that you'd like to do that you might never do and I've got such a long list of those and they're kind of like the permission just the permission to think about things because it's a need you know to fulfill that need for complexity
0: Hmm.
1: I love that I love that as last words to have
0: permission to just be you and be quirky and try out all the things and use spreadsheets whenever you want (laughs) (laughs)
1: give ourselves that permission shall
0: we <laughs> yeah. well, thank you so
1: much lucinda it has been a pleasure talking to you thank you so much for having me i have really enjoyed it thanks nadia <laughs> bye bye
0: i hope you loved this episode as much as i did and i hope you got something out of it and you got to embrace your own giftedness or you recognize somebody that you know and can recommend this show if you do love it and if you did get something out of it, I would love if you could give this podcast a review. So if you're on Apple podcast and listening to this show, but wherever you listen to, you can give a review. You can give a star rating. So I hope you give me five stars and then you can scroll all the way down and you can actually leave a written review. So what does that do? That actually helps the algorithm. And the more people that like the show, that subscribe to the show, that rate the show and leave a written review, the more the algorithm will show it to other people. And if we hit the top 100 in the category that this podcast is published, then Apple Podcast will recommend it to other listeners. So that's basically creating more awareness and really helping spreading the word of this topic of giftedness and feeling too much, overexcitabilities, high sensitivity, and also twice exceptional adults. So if you got something out from this podcast, please, please, please subscribe, like, and share. So that's really how you at this moment can support this podcast the best. And if you want to connect, you can find me on Instagram at unleash.monday. I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. And you can also reach out directly on my website and get in contact. I'm a little bit slow responding currently, but... I do read all the messages and all the emails, but it takes sometimes a little bit for me to respond. So please have patience. But I'm really, really happy every time I hear from my listeners. So thank you so much. And I see you in two weeks. Bye.